Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Just really one verse, actually two verses we're going to read tonight. Uh, Probably some of the saddest verses in the Old Testament when we're talking about the power of God and we're talking about the presence of God as it leaves Samson's life. How many of you know that the presence of God is the important thing? That the power of God is not your gifting. Everyone in this room is just as gifted as Samson was. Are you getting this? Everyone in this room is just as gifted. The question isn't whether or not you're gifted or called. The question is whether or not the presence of God's Spirit is in your life. Because when when God's presence isn't available in your life, your gifting isn't going to amount to much. Come on. It's not going to amount to much. So we'll be studying that tonight, and we're going to end the series tonight, start a new one in a couple of weeks. What are we going to do in the interim? What are we going to do, Pastor? What are we going to do? Well, it's on my heart next Wednesday night. If you would please come back for this, I want to talk to you just one Wednesday night on the historicity of Israel belonging and the children of Israel and the people of Israel belonging in their land. I'm going to show you how that land has belonged to them, okay? 3,500 years ago, it belonged to them and how it continued to belong to them throughout history and how they were actually run out of their land and how God miraculously gave them back their land. Now, there's a lot of stuff flying on the news right now that is not accurate historically. I'm going, to, I'm going to take you into the biblical record of that, so that would give us the moral reason why the people of God belong in the land of Israel. But I also want to give you the ethical reason why. How many of you know those aren't the same thing? Moral re- rationale comes from believing that there's a God and that He has absolute standards. You understand that? Not everybody is moral, but a lot of people think they're ethical, right? I'm going to give you the ethical reasons why that land belongs to them as well because it belonged to them long before it belonged to anyone else that's arguing over it so i'm going to take you through both next week so that you can have a working knowledge of that and that's just one wednesday night and that's mostly because i've gotten a lot of emails and i just want to go ahead and get rid of the emails okay and we'll just get them all out in one night we'll take care of that in one night and that'll be good it'll be fun praise the lord okay so judges 16 19 it says very plainly here it says His strength left him. And that last phrase in verse 20 is the saddest statement for me, for me in the Old Testament. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. I want you to get that. I want you to get that, okay? When when we're caught up in sin and we're caught up in the things of this world, there's there's several warnings that God brings us, and I've talked to you about this in the past, you know. God will allow a precept from His Word. If you don't listen to that precept from His Word, then God will prick your spirit by His Spirit through people. And if you don't listen to people, which most of you won't, I don't either, because we don't like to be told what to do. Come on. Come on. And if you don't listen to people, then God will allow pain And all three of those things are God's grace and warning. But if you don't listen to those warnings, at such a time as you think not, God's Spirit can come to this earth or depart from you. Come on. 
And so there's this idea that God's going to tell you or give you some kind of warning. And for those of you that are hyper-Calvinists and do not believe that you could walk away from the Lord, I want to remind you that in the book of Revelation, that it says, To he that overcomes, I will not blot out from the Lamb's book of life. Are you with me tonight? If you could be blotted out, come right, come on. And so there is this idea sometimes that people think that I can get into the world, I can sin a little. Can I sin a little? And they start sinning a little and they get into a little sinning. And in the process of sin, they, they grow more and more um, desensitized to the fact that the Spirit of God is no longer with them. Now, pastor, doesn't the Bible say that I will never leave you nor forsake you? I'm not talking about God necessarily leaving you. I'm talking about you leaving God. I'm talking about you stepping out of the presence of God in your life and doing it permanently. And before you know it, that will happen. I want you to see for Samson, it says he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. It was over and he didn't know it. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, make us overcomers by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, not by the power of me, not by the power of us, not by our giftings or our own strength, not by the, the wonderful things you've empowered us with, God, here on earth, only by your Spirit, not by might nor by power, Lord, but by your Spirit, says the Lord. Let us be overcomers. <laughs> we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The number one principle I want to leave you with tonight is this. Private victories precede public victories. And private victories are permanent victories. So focus on private victories. Get out of your mind public ones. The whole entire culture of our country and the world says, put me up on a stage, give me an award, give me a graduation this, put, a, put something in my hand. How many of you graduated from college or you graduated from graduate school? Anybody? How many of you know, maybe it was different back in the day, but when I graduated, they didn't actually give me my degree. I, were you there for that? Maybe they actually handed it to you. No, they give you this really, <laughs> they give you this empty folder. Okay, it's a big, nice, real pretty empty folder. And then later, the degree comes in the mail, right? So when you go strutting up there, everybody's going, woohoo, come on! And you go on up there, well, nobody prepared me for that because nobody had ever graduated in my family, okay? So when I come up there the first time, I'm like, yeah, can't wait to see that thing. And I open it up, and it's an empty folder. I'm like, who forgot me? You know, what happened? Did I really graduate or did, I know there's a bill, so I know, you know, there better be something here. And, and, and so the idea is, is everything that's on that piece of paper says that I've achieved something, but that's not true. What's happening inside of my heart, what I went through, and what, I'm, what I've developed in my character, if, I, you know, I could have cheated the entire way and nobody caught me, come on. And they, 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 give you, they give you this degree now, do you deserve that degree? No. Just standing on a stage, just achieving something, everybody clapping for you, saying you did a good job, is not what brings success in your life. What brings success in your life is what happens in your heart, what happens in your home, come on. What happens in the here and now with your family, that's what brings success in your life. Samson did not have private victories. He had public ones. And in the end, he did not have permanent victories. 
Private victories are what we live for. Victories of the heart, victories of relationship in your marriage, victories with your children. There's far, new, far too many people that are preaching in pulpits that do not have private victories. Come on. And so they, their churches get big, their heads get big, then they fall from grace and everybody goes, why? Right? Well, you might have hired somebody or you might have got somebody in your life who didn't focus on his family or his marriage or his, or his walk with the Lord at all. He was just pretty good in his gifting. That was Samson. He was great in his gifting, right? But in his private life, he was terrible. Come on. Now, I want to give you some, just, I, I don't often do this because I don't, like, I don't like getting advice and I don't like giving it. But tonight, I'm going to give you some advice. I'm going to give you some advice. And you're looking at me right now and you're like, I don't want to hear this. I'm with you. I don't want to, I don't want to have to give it to you. Okay, but but this might help you. Okay, if you're if you're planning on starting a business, can you please start with your home checkbook? If you're planning on <laughs> employing people, can you at least start by showing up to work yourself? <laughs> Are you with me? If you're planning on becoming a father, could you at least go a couple of years to work? And pay your own bills so that you can be a good provider first. Hello, who am I talking to? If you're planning on being a mother, you want to be a successful mother, can you at least start by helping your mother with your siblings? Could you at least start by babysitting a few kids, changing a few diapers, and seeing what that's like first? Before you bring a child into this world and figure out you don't want to do that, come on. So then somebody else has got to do it. Hello, I got no friends. You just, it's a nod night. That's okay, I'll take the nods. Hey, before you become a, before you become a trainer at the gym, could you at least get rid of your gut? There's, there's nobody that wants to train with you when, you know, there's a part of you that walks five minutes into the door before the rest of you does. Seriously, I'm not a trainer, so I can say that. Get mad all you want, but I'm not training. I'm not up here telling you tonight, here's how to train in the gym. Yeah. I'm the last person you want to talk to about that old Twinkie man here. But I'll tell you the truth. Before you go training me, can you at least start training yourself? Hello? Hey, before, before you start in the ministry and you want a platform ministry, could you at least start back with the kids and make sure you're faithful with them? Could you at least spend time studying your Bible and having a prayer life? And reading God's word every day and reading it, I mean, deeply study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed so that God can then trust you with instructing and guiding and leading others. Hey, before you start a ministry, could you at least start with your own home? If you're not praying at home or you're not leading your family spiritually, what makes you think you're going to be able to lead the rest of God's family spiritually? Come on. Come on, it makes me cry to think about how often we put people in public places who haven't got private things worked out. I want to give you a couple more here. Before you decide you're going to be a musician in the band, could you at least learn to play an instrument at home? Why do we all have to deal with that? Nobody wants to laugh, but you know it's true. You need a few more years in your garage. Maybe play in your bedroom a little bit longer. Actually, hey, I got an idea. Learn how to tune the darn thing before you get up in front of everybody. You see what I'm saying? 
Here's the last one for you because it does help with where you're all at right now, including me. Before you go to heaven, could you at least become an overcomer here? So that when you get to heaven, you can hear those seven promises in the book of Revelation to the overcomer, the overcomer, the overcomer. What are they? Revelation 2.17, eat from the tree of life. Revelation 2.11, shall not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2.28, watch this, power over the nations. Watch this, God is saying, I want to make you a leader in my new creation. Heaven isn't about just heaven. Heaven's about new heaven and new earth. It's going to be a new earth. And God wants to set up his authority and leadership. Guess who that is? It's you. Could you at least get that worked out here before you go there? How about this? How about this? To, to him who overcomes, I'll give the bright morning star. That is Jesus and the prophetic truth of Jesus. To, him that over, to he that overcomes, white garments. And Jesus confesses your name before the Father and his angels. Can you imagine? All the angels hearing Jesus say your name? How about this? To him that overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Write on him a new name. To he that overcomes, I will allow him to sit on the throne with me. So God isn't looking, listen, God isn't looking to keep you where you're at for very long. God is looking to promote you in his kingdom. There's nothing wrong with promotion when it comes from above. Hello, right? Now there's a little bit of problem with promotion when it comes from below, because that's called popularity. Promotion that comes from above starts with serving here. And in the upside down kingdom, you start lower, not higher. And when God sees that, what does the Bible say? God in due time, come on, what, what will God do in due time? He will exalt you. Why? Why in the world would God do that? Because you have humbled yourself. So that God in due time brings you up. God has no desire to leave you low. He wants you to go higher. But you gotta get your private stuff together. Come on, mama told you always wear clean underwear. <laughs> Hello, right? Because you never know when the ambulance may come and get you. Can I just tell you everything that's private comes out in public? Everything. Everything. Some of you are like, what does that have to do with underwear? You'll see. You'll see, you'll see, it's coming. Just, to, hey, when the hospital visit comes, make sure you got the gown on, all right? I don't want to see it. All right, so Samson illustrates people that have power to overcome publicly, but not privately. Watch this. He could set the Philistine fields on fire, but he could not control the fires of his own lust. He overcame an attacking lion, but he could not overcome his own flesh. He easily broke the bonds of men, but the bondage of a secret sin easily held him. He could have led a nation, but he preferred to work independently. And as a result, there was no permanent victory left behind. For some of you, I just want to tell you this, okay? The major problem of success coming into your life is your inability to work with others. It's all about playing well and working well with others. You say, well, people don't like me. Find a way to get them to like, come on. It's, I'm not talking about trying to be popular. I'm, trying to, I'm talking about trying to work with others, okay? Another one, it says, uh, he could have been remembered for what he built up, but instead, what was he remembered for? The things he destroyed. What are the things he destroyed? Well, he destroyed lions, foxes, and bears, oh my, no, fields, gates, 
soldiers, women's purity, and his own life and ministry. Everything in Samson's life was destructive. There was nothing built up in his life. In fact, after Samson, God did away with the whole system of judges and went right on to Samuel. And what we don't see happening in Samson's life, we do see in Samuel's life. Praise God. Samuel has a private victory with in relationship with the Lord, and it shows in all that Samuel does. Right? Samson does not. You see, your success or your failure then is found in your daily routine and your personal habits. It's not in your good intentions. Everyone in this room has good intentions to succeed. Everyone in this room has a dream or something you'd like to achieve with your life. But that's just an intention. If you don't have any daily spiritual disciplines that match that intention, it's wishful thinking. Your life truly is lived from the inside out. What is happening in your daily routine is what is bringing about your dream or not. It's in your private life. And when God looks at your private life, he sees someone that's either ready or not. He sees somebody that's either ready for a blessing and a promotion or not. You see, habits create futures, not good intentions. Your secret place or your secret sin will decide your success or your failure. Four whole chapters then are devoted to this judge, to more chapters than any judge in the Bible. And yet, what do we see? We see that Samson's life ends in complete disgrace. We know that God one last time gives him power, but it's in taking his own life that he's able to use it. He loses it all. Samson's birth was foretold by angels. Only two other men in the Bible ever had that happen, Isaac and Jesus himself. Samson's life had so much power, so much anointing, and very little results. His job was to eliminate the enemy, the Philistines. And the three women that he fell in love with were the enemy. He kept sleeping with the enemy instead of eliminating the, the enemy. And let me tell you something. When the Spirit of God and you depart is when you fall asleep in your sin. When you fall asleep and you have a refusal to wake up when God sets the alarm off and wants you to move on. No one in the Bible started with more and ended up with less than Samson. He has a story of tremendous strength. I'm going to give you an outline here that will probably blow your, your noodle. You brought in a noodle tonight or two. We're going to bake that noodle. He defeated a lion with his bare hands, right? So what? Jesus defeated the roaring lion, Satan himself. He defeated 30 men at one time. So what? Jesus be was betrayed by 30 pieces of silver, right? And yet he overcame that betrayal with love. It was, in, it was Jesus' private life with the Lord and the Father that made the difference. He easily, Samson, easily defeated and broke the ropes that would bind him. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse himself. He broke the bondage off of you by taking the bondage on himself. Samson defeated a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. Whoa, hoo, hoo, hoo. That's the one you always hear in Sunday school. Well, Jesus Christ is going to reign for a thousand years, and he, he started all of that by riding in on a donkey. Come on. Yeah. The new creation 
and the new redemption of the earth started when Jesus rode into Jerusalem the first time. Hallelujah. But he did it from the inside out, folks. Right? Samson defeated a great city in Gaza. Remember this? Oh, we hear a lot about Gaza today. What was he honking doing in Gaza? That was Philistine territory. He was hooked up with another Philistine woman. They trapped him there behind one of the gates. The Bible says that he picked that gate up out of the ground, right? Carried it up to the top of a mountain and left it there. Fantastic, brother. My Jesus went down and faced the gates of hell and death. Then he, then he carried my cross. <laughs> Come on. Then he carried my cross. I want to talk to you about the real power. It's not in lifting physical gates. It's facing the gates of hell and the gates of hell not prevailing. With Samson's last ounce of strength, he knocked down the pillars of Dagon's temple, defeating 3,000 people. Really? Well, my God sent his spirit in the upper room, and when the upper room caught a hold of his spirit, 3,000 got saved. I want to talk to you about permanent victory. Not public moments, but permanent victory that comes from your private life in the Lord. Why did we see Samson give up that permanent victory that he could have had? Number one, he disobeyed his parents. I'm going to start right there. It's a very popular, it's a very popular subject, right? Right? Obeying mom and dad. You don't even hear that preached anymore. I, here's one. Who is mom and dad? You know, we used to say back in the day when I was a kid, hey, it's nine o'clock on TV. Do you know where your kids are? You know what they say today? Hey, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. Where's your parents? It's nine o'clock at night. Do you know where your parents are? Come on. Oh, so quiet. Hello, Mr. Crickets. Where's mom and dad? Mom and dad got to be there to tell somebody what to do and give them direction. We look at Samson's life in Judges chapter 14, 1 through 4. We see the evidence of spiritual decline beginning in his private life with his parents. Oh, he's a grown man. And there's this idea today. Johnny's a grown man. Johnny's paying some of his bills. He no longer has to listen to mom and dad. Okay? Straight out of the pit of hell. You have kids? They're your kids to the day you die. Hello? You know why I can say that? I got adult children. You want to talk about a joy ride? Have deal with adult children. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy when they're little, man. Now they're making big mistakes. And you got to be there, right? And if you don't say something, guess what? You're cleaning up. Right? Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Ooh, this kind of hurts me a little bit. And that's a lesson that we can learn here. Our strengths of our children, children like Samson, require great strengths, require great submissions. Without submission of strength, secret place, in the secret place, we are going to have rebellion. What happened? In uh, chapter 14, verse 1, it says Samson went down. Anytime you see that in the Old Testament, it's the wrong direction. When you read that about Jonah, 
he went down from and down to and down into the ship and then down into the water and then down into the belly of the whale, he's going the wrong way. Okay? Anytime you see that, both spiritually and geographically, he's going down into enemy territory. territory. Another thing, he decided to ignore God's rules and he decided to go away from the Lord. And then three, he decided he was going on his own authority. He told his parents the first time he gets together with a Philistine woman, he told his parents, go get her for me. Go get her. Who's telling who? Who's telling who? Go get her. And mom and dad was like, no, wrong way. He says, go get her for me because I desire her. Get her for me because she pleases me. Walking away from God's presence always begins from walking away from authority. If you have a problem with authority, you have a problem with God's power and his presence. And you will see a pattern. You're going to have lunch or meet with people like this. They're going to sit down. They're going to eat the sandwich you just bought them. And as they're eating the sandwich you just bought them, they're going to go into their story. And I'm going to tell you how their story goes, okay? And you're going to listen to it whether it's with them or right now with me, here it goes, all right? You know my boss, I just can't stand, I can't stand her or him. My boss is doing this now, my boss is doing that now. And then when I come home, I hear this from my spouse. And you know, it was just like when I was growing up as a kid, I heard the same thing from my father. And you know, pastor, I can't stand him either, he's always telling me something. And you know, the other day I got pulled over by a cop and he gave me a ticket. The light was yellow. Cry me a river. You don't see the, can everybody be wrong? You have a problem with authority. If you have a problem with authority, you have a problem with God's power and his presence. Because God gives his power and presence inside, inside the boundaries of authority. God uses authority. We think, well, authority is wrong. Sometimes it is, but you still got to honor it. Are you awake tonight? You still got to honor authority. Listen, can I tell you something? God will not give you authority unless he sees you honoring authority. You reap what you sow. You don't get authority if you can't honor authority. You got a problem with authority? God says you need to sit. You get it right with authority? God says promote that one. They're ready. They can handle it. They'll be a servant. Number two, Samson compromised his life. There was this toxification that came from his life. Judges chapter 14, 5 through 20. What did he do? Well, we know that there were three parts of his Nazaritic vow, right? He wasn't to touch dead things. He wasn't to, he wasn't to get his hair cut, right? He wasn't to get drunk. Come on, he wasn't to drink any wine. Neither was his mother, right? And even in the Philistine women, he wasn't to deal. You could add a fourth if you wanted to. He wasn't to touch or be with those women. They were the enemy. What does he do? All of those things. Let's talk about the dead things for a minute, all right? He goes and he kills a lion. And then he says, Mom, Dad, I'm getting married. Go get her for me. And in the process, it's about four to six months before this wedding takes place. He's killed that lion. And then guess what's in the carcass of that lion? A whole bunch of honey, right? He says, Mom, Dad, you hungry? I'm hungry. He goes back to that nasty carcass of a lion, 
gets all the honey out of there, and even feeds his parents with it. You can see the collateral damage of sin because he knows he's not supposed to do it, and he even gives it to his mother, who's supposed to stay pure. Can I tell you what the devil does? The devil will, show, will point to your strength and will say, look at how good you are. Do you see what you did just four months ago? Boy, you are that and all that in a bag of chips. You're the hottest thing since sunburn, and I'm here to tell you, it's sweetness time. You need to enjoy the sweetness of what you've accomplished in your life. And you'll go, you know what? I, I, well, by golly, I do. I do. It, it, you know what? I need to treat myself. It's time to treat myself. Y'all don't know what treating yourself is, do you? You don't know what that is, right? I just, you know, I don't know. I just need to grab that credit card and just go crazy. I'm going to have me a night. And then you come home and the bill comes home, right? And your spouse goes, I'm going to treat you. You know, what's this? And you go, hey, I, gotta, I can do this. I can do that. This is okay. Look at all I've achieved. And Samson got in the middle of intoxication. He was, he was in toxic environment. We do this all the time. Did you know that most ministers, when they sin or fail, is on Monday morning? Ministers point to when they fall from grace is Monday morning because they preach good on Sunday. So Monday, it's time to rest. It's time to relax. I wonder what's on HBO. Come on. You hearing me, right? You get to a place to where you start thinking, I made it. I did it. And you, you know what, God? You're pretty good, but I'm just as good now because look what I've done, God. Aren't you impressed? God's like, your righteousness is filthy rags. You couldn't even breathe unless I gave you breath, but... But calm down, son. And in the midst of all that, you're like, you know, I need to throw myself a little party. I got I to gotta, I gotta throw a little celebration. And in the midst of that, he goes and takes it. Can I just tell you, sin does taste sweet at first. I ain't going to lie to you. If it didn't taste sweet, people wouldn't do it. Come on. It is pleasurable for a season. A season. But when the season passed, and by the, by the way, I hear there's a few seasons every year. By the time the season has passed, now you've got to pay the bill. And the bill is death. The wages of sin, it's death. It ain't worth it. Now, can I tell you what? You see, we don't live in Old Testament times, so some of y'all are thinking right now, man, if I went out and killed a lion and ate honey from it, am I going to hell? <laughs> you know, what you talking about, Pastor? Can I tell you about the Old Testament? You see, God used very, very open and storyteller type of examples so that people would be constantly reminded of their covenant with Him. You see, they didn't have a Bible then that most people read. Are you with me? See, you're walking around with the Word again. You got all of this and you've got the full spirit of God. In the Old Testament, guys, you know, the Holy Spirit fell on individual people and sometimes it was just momentary. You got the full spirit of God, full 24-7, you know, come on. Some of our presidents think 24-7 means 
24 hours a week, seven months a year. <laughs> no, no, you got the Spirit of God 24-7 every day. Hello. <laughs> you got the real deal. And you got the full Word of God. Well, see, they needed symbols back then. They needed symbols. One of them was circumcision. Now, now listen, we're all adults, right? One of them was circumcision. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because it was a big deal that the men understood who they were with. Now, when they would go and do whatever they were going to do intimately, intimately with someone, they'd be reminded by the fact that they're circum. Now, listen, we're in church, but listen, I'm trying to teach you here. Every time a man would, would be intimate with a woman, he'd be reminded of, wait a minute, there, I got it. Whoa, my God, my God, hello. Nobody wants to amen that. I talk about circumcision, and it's like, whoa, dear Lord. The reason why is these guys weren't to sleep with other women that were outside, and they were to stay true to their wife. It was a constant reminder because God knew that would be the one area of guys' lives that they'd go, woo-hoo, right? So then God says, hey, I'm going to give you a symbol. Now, the reason why in the New Testament it's not a big deal anymore because the flesh was cut away that's what covenant means to cut away the flesh was cut away in christ our symbol now is the crucified and risen savior we look to that not to i'm teaching better than you're saying amen if you're bored i'm sorry you know and i need a raise if you're bored the the symbol today is Jesus, the risen Savior. The flesh was destroyed at the cross. But back then they needed something. And for Samson, the symbol, one of them was don't cut his hair. Now I want to tell you, that made him look weird. On purpose. Just like for the nation of Israel, it made him look weird. That's why later Peter says in the New Testament, you are a peculiar people on purpose so that you would be able to show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light they were a nation of priests so are you you are the priesthood of all believers and so you and i are supposed to look differently but the difference today is not some outward manifestation of the flesh. The difference today is the circumcised and cut away heart. When someone encounters you, they ought to go, wait a minute, that's weird. You know there's something different about that person. It's almost like they're called out of darkness. It's almost like there's a marvelous light. It's almost like they're peculiar. They're a peculiar people. And they're always calling forth the praises of Him. Do you get it now? And so this is why it wasn't, He didn't have to have long hair to know God, but He needed something to look to to say, yes, this reminds me of my relationship, my private victory with Him. And so then when he went and touched dead things and he became intoxicated with alcohol and when he slept with Philistine women and then when he later got his hair cut, actually he was probably shaved bald. It wasn't the hair 
being removed from his body. Come on. There's been a lot of bad preaching on this. It was the, it was the covenant that was removed from his heart. Okay. Okay. So he compromised his life. life has, light has no fellowship with darkness. If you're in compromise, it's coming out. It's showing. I know you don't think it's showing because you wear Christian clothes and you drive a Christian car and you, you go to a Christian church and you're full gospel this and full gospel that, right? Until you're mad. And then it shows. Until you're depressed, then it shows. You see, the fruit of the Spirit isn't coming out of your life when the circumstances change. That's how you know. Okay? Success requires a replacement. I only got two more things, but I want to spend some time in this. You have to be willing to come out of the world. You have to be willing to live holy. You have to be willing to be consecrated. Why come out of the world, be holy, and be consecrated? Let me tell you why. Because it speaks to the spiritual realm. The demons, which are not fallen angels. Come back some other time. I'll teach on demons. They're not fallen angels. Okay? Fallen angels are different. The principalities and powers will all see you belong to him. Now you think, well, they're going to throw everything they got at me until you pray. And they run. Right? Until you speak God's word. Until you, and unless you're one of the sons of Sceva, hello, you know that story. And you come in and something comes out of your mouth. But in the spiritual realm, you ain't holy. You ain't consecrated. You ain't right with God. But you're coming in because you heard daddy say it. Daddy was a priest. And you're possessed. And I'm calling that demon out now. And the Bible says all seven of those dudes ran from that house screaming and naked. You ever run from church? Somebody tore all your clothes off you? That's a humiliation, isn't it? Don't get mad at me. It's in the Bible. They got beat up, man. Why? Because they weren't holy. You say, well, things aren't happening at my church because we ain't started at home and in our heart. Been alone with the Lord. So here's what to replace. Watch this. Replace alcohol with a good glass of water. You can start there. You can start right there. How about living water? You can start with God's word, right? How about, how about this? How about instead of a Netflix binge, right? How about you read God's word just one day in your life past five minutes? Oh, pastor, are you serious? I got a show I've been watching. How about this? How about instead of overthinking the next thing you do at church, how about you just act in faith? How about this? How about instead of scrolling your phone, especially when I'm preaching, boy, does that just honk me. And you don't think I know. Oh, I know. Okay, how about that? How about you, you spiritually exercise your faith and go serve somebody this week? How about instead of complaining, you show a little gratitude, especially to your wife. You can start there. You'll be eating better. And how about this? How about instead of having all-nighters, how about you? How about this? How about you get some actual sleep? And how about instead of hanging out with weirdos and dummies, you find yourself a good mentor, a spiritual father or a mother, and you do what they say. You watching at home? I'm talking to you. How about you find somebody that might be able to teach you a thing or two? Hello. Instead of blaming people, how about accountability? And instead of fast food, and I'm talking to me, 
How about you eat your wife's home cooking? Come on, hallelujah. Here's the last one. Samson, Samson played with, he played with sin. You, you, you know this already, but I want to, it bears repeating. His father's name, Manoah, means son of rest. Samson is the son of the son of rest, right? He messes around with Delilah. She means, her name means sleepless exhaustion. You see, you, you're going to get wrapped up in sin and you're going to think, this is my playtime and my rest time and my escape and my personal soothe time. And that's not what it's going to do to you. In the end, it's going to leave you exhausted. In the end, it's going to leave you restless. In the end, it's going to leave you with nothing. What was left from Samson's life after he lost his hair? What was left? He lost his strength. What was left after he lost his strength? He lost his sight. Then he lost his freedom. Then he lost his usefulness to the Lord. Then he lost his testimony. Then he lost his physical life. He, he lost seven times. Seven times he lost. There's a picture here of sin, and you can see it in his life. And I want to leave you with this. If you wouldn't mind writing this down, it would bless me. Okay? Number one, sin blinds. That's where sin starts. It blinds. They gouged out his eyes. What does sin blind you from? Vision and hope and prophetic future. I'm not talking about physical sight. I'm talking about spiritual sight. I have a vision and a prophetic future and a hope for this church. And it's bigger than what we're doing and where we are and why we're doing it now. If I give my life to sin, I will lose that. Do you see what I'm telling you? And you say, Pastor, that's just you. But what about you? What about the hope you have for a future? What about the vision you should have for your family and your grandkids? What about, what about the hope and the prophetic future that you have over the generations? Your great-grandchildren. All of that is given up when you practice sin. Here's the second one. Sin not only blinds, it binds. Next thing that comes is addiction, bondage, emotional oppression. Many, 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 many people are depressed because they have secret sin. There, I said it. I'm not calling in a psychiatrist when there's an altar to repent. Do we need counselors? Yes, we do. Great counseling starts with great repentance. You say, I didn't ask for what happened to me. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't get into that lawyer mode. I'm not even interested in that. Some people are just permanent, long time. All they want to do is argue things. Here, here's what I'm here to tell you tonight. Many, many people are depressed, busted, and disgusted because they've got secret sin and they won't repent. They just won't repent. And the, gra the greatest thing in the world that's going to change your emotional Countenance, everything. Your countenance will change. Everything will change. When you start going, no, I'm not, no, in the name of Jesus, no. No, I'm not living that way anymore. No. That's nasty. Not doing it. Number three. So sin blinds, then it binds, then sin grinds. What do you lose here? 
You live the rest of your life as a slave, working for the enemy, feeding your dysfunction. Feeding your dysfunction. I have, I have known people personally that belong in the, full, in the full-time ministry. They will not be in the full-time ministry. I want to tell you why. Because God loves them too much. And it might take a minute to bake in. See, God would rather see them go to heaven. They say, I don't understand. If God called them to the full-time ministry and he loves them, why aren't they in the full-time ministry? Because they haven't dealt with an area of their life that would blow up sky high. If it... and So God says, stay here until you can get that private victory before it becomes public. Come on. Hello. And so what did Samson lose here? He lost the rest of his life at a millstone. For the, he working for the man, for the Philistines, <laughs> in bondage. Talk to any alcoholic, talk to any drug addict, talk to any porn addict, talk to anybody that has a bondage in their life. And they will tell you, all I'm doing is working for my next high, working for my next fix, working for chasing that next skirt, getting to the bars again. All I want to do is be back there on Friday night. Listen, that's no way to live. God created you for so much more. And if you would just give your heart completely to God, God will show you the hope in the future and the glory of what he wants you to live with and do. And it's promotion, baby. It's not at the, it's not at the tail. Come on, because we don't want to be at the tail. Bad, stink, bad things come out of the tail. It's the head. Head does all the eating. Right? I'm going to talk to you about Superman. Samson had the same issue that Superman had, and so do you. So do you. You see, Samson had a weakness. So do you. So do I. Well, let me tell you something about weakness. It's not going away. I'm 52. Same weaknesses I had when I right now. I got them right now. You say, I thought you were, you were right there with the Pope. <laughs> he got the same weaknesses he had when he started, too. Right. Hello? Stop putting people on a pedestal. Hello. So, so what do you do with, well, weaknesses don't, they're not cured. They're managed by a private life with the Lord, by a discipline with the Lord. Superman had a weakness. It was kryptonite. Believe it or not, it came from his past too. And it came from his past world. Come on. Anybody going to shout me down over that one? Probably not. But here it is. Krypton blew up. And pieces came to the earth. And if any of that came near him, it made him what? Powerless. Like seven days without prayer makes one week. Come on, hallelujah. Man, if that ain't trite, but I'll keep going. He needed somebody else to help him with his weakness. Whenever he came near it, someone else had to lift it. Even though Lois Lane was a weakling, if Lois Lane got around that kryptonite, she could remove it, lift it, get it out of his life. Come on. And his strength returned. But that wasn't his only weakness. You see, we've watched too many Superman movies and we've read too many comics. We don't get to the bottom and the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty is he had to be in the presence of the sun. Come on, man. I'm going all the way back to 80 Superman. Come on. I'm talking about Reeves. You don't know anything about Reeves. He 
had to be in the presence of the son. Oh, it's just a coincidence that Samson's name means the shining sun. He was supposed to shine for the sun, not S-U-N, S-O-N. But he had no, t you know, there was only two times in scripture he prayed. One time when he ran out of water and he thought he was going to die. So he says, Lord, I'm going to die. Give me water. And another time, when his eyes were gouged out, he had to tell a little boy, put my hands where the pillars are, and stretched out his arms like Jesus, come on, and pushed against those pillars and brought the house down. The roof is on fire. <laughs> brought it down. Killed 3,000 of them, but he died too. You see, his weakness wasn't just the Delilahs and the Philistine women and the honey inside the lion and the alcohol and, and the feats of strength and showing off. His real weakness was he had spent too much time out of the presence of his son. Would you stand with me in prayer now? Somebody close us tonight in the name of Jesus.